Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive Producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. And how are things? In, are you back in Chicago? We're back in Chicago, and we're here with with your two guests, my traveling companions, Excellent. fresh back from South Korea, where they had a tremendous experience of a nonviolent environment. We're looking forward to sharing with you today. I'm very keen to hear about this. I'm just going to do my little intro now. Greetings, everyone, and particularly welcome to my guests. 
This is Jana, author of Success Strategies for Black People and Affirmations for Parents. And I host the annual blogging carnival for nonviolence. Welcome to my Success Strategies show on the Female Solution Worldwide Radio and TV Network. I'm here on the first Saturday of every month to help you find solutions and strategies for any problems or challenges you may be experiencing. We are here to help you make 2023 your best year yet. Happy October. October is Black History Month here in the U.K., and it's also the annual Month of Nonviolence, which is held by Black Women for Positive Change and is open to everyone. And that means this is the month, this month is the annual blogging carnival for nonviolence. So stay tuned for all the blogs I'll be publishing this month. The link for the blogging carnival for nonviolence is below. If you have questions or comments for me or for my guests, please phone in on 515-605-9325. Then press 1, which will put you in my queue so that you can speak to me or my guests. You can also join us on Facebook at The Female Solution and on YouTube at The Female Solution. I'm very happy to be welcoming two amazing guests today who are doing some brilliant work. Before I introduce them, I want to talk just a little bit about two terrible incidents which have recently happened in South London, and I'm going to get both of my guests to comment on these. Um, One incident happened in South London just down the road from where I live. This happened a few weeks ago when a young black woman went into a shop to return some hair she had bought but not used. The shop owner refused to give her a refund, so she started grabbing things, and the shop owner decided to strangle her. The police were called, and the young woman was arrested. I'm not clear about whether the shop owner was arrested for strangling this young woman. Um, she's, she's still very much alive, so, you know, he didn't kill her, but still he put his hands on her. I need to stress that this is not the first incident of its kind. This is only the most recent one that I am aware of. And as I said, I'm going to be asking my guests about their responses to this incident and what recommendations they can make for how to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. The second incident I'm going to be asking my guests about is the murder of a 15-year-old girl. I'm sorry, I should have said trigger warning. This is extreme violence. The murder of a 15-year-old girl on the bus on her way to school by a 17-year-old boy. Again, this happened in South London and Croydon, which is not near me, but, you know, it's South London, so it's not that far away from me. As I've said, October is the global month of nonviolence, so I want, to, I want to talk about how we can prevent these horrendous incidents from occurring. So what are your thoughts? Please phone in on 515-605-9325. Then press 1 to join the queue to speak to me and my guests. My first amazing guest today is Dr. Lynn Mohammed, founder of the Stream Labs. Dr. Mohammed helps to provide young minds with an opportunity to discover and become engaged in the learning process as they have had fun interacting with equipment and materials. Dr. Mohammed 
has worked as an educator for more than 40 years. In the United States, she has taught students from 2 to over 60 years of age. She has taught in more than 10 universities and colleges. She's worked as a science, science teacher for the Chicago public school system for more than 20 years. She has done a lot of stuff in education and educating young people. Um, my other guest, my other amazing guest today is Pastor Charetta Hodge. Pastor Hodge is on the ministerial staff of Christhood International Ministries of St. Louis. She recently attended the HWPL Global Peace Summit in South Korea to report on the international peacekeeping and community service work of her organization, which also has partners in Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, uh, now, from what I understand, all three of you, Dr. Dr. Mohammed, Pastor Hodge, and Naima Latif, my lovely executive producer, You've all been to the HWPL event in South Korea, is that correct? And you all traveled together? Yes, we did. We we had Excellent. the joy of traveling together and experiencing an amazing transformation of behavior. And I'm going to let our mm, guests so, yeah, describe I definitely their want to hear about that. I'm going to start by asking my guests a bit about their work. So I'd like to start with Dr. Yes. Mohammed. Dr. Mohammed, are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, definitely. Welcome welcome to my show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for all the work that you do with the uh, Oh, that's so kind. Topic. That's so kind. Yes. Thank you. And Dr. Mohammed, tell us what are the Stream Labs? The Stream Labs is a um educational program, hands on educational yeah. program that teaches children how to incorporate what they're learning into real world solutions. Oh, so really? Of, yes. So the idea of to minimize such things such as the negative violence that you brought up today, that's a mm. part of what we do. So you're learning how to read. You're learning how to write. You're learning how to solve some math problems. You're learning how to, to investigate things through science. What are you going to do with all of that? And how does that help to give answers to some of the real issues that are out there. This is not just right, about books. Right. I find that really exciting. I find that really exciting. Yes. So what yes. exactly, can you give us some examples of what you actually do in your labs, the stream labs? So, so I'm going to use the situation, that you, one of the situations that you brought up about Excellent. the, um, the, um, the store situation with the, young, with yeah. the customer who was being strangled. So I wouldn't bring that to my younger children because it's very right, terrifying. Right. But for my middle, for my middle school children, for my high school children, I would bring it up, and I would ask them. First of all, have they had any encounters that are similar? Or do they know real stories that are similar? Because I always try to make it fit into their scope. But the next that piece of sense, it is, yeah. regardless, regardless if it's happening in their space or across the waters, it doesn't matter. It's humanity. That's being affected. Yes, yes, and, I completely and so agree. Their job, their job, is to come up with a way to minimize that type of negative behavior, and right. or minimize the source of where it might have stemmed from, so that it's not something that happens again that escalates to that right, point. Right. Where someone has to put their hands on someone and put them in harm's way. Um, so that. You know, one of the things we would do, we actually had a discussion 
about mm. I made it very, very light for the children, but I actually discussed with them the struggles that are going on between North and South Korea right now. Okay, and that's interesting. what's happened with the Korean War, because I told them that I may be making this trip. This is the summer session that I had, that I may be making the trip that we did uh, make. And so I started the discussion with him about what happens if someone has their hand on a button that could potentially destroy an area, you know, mm-hmm. by a war, by a bomb, you know, being shot from one place to another. They were like, well, why would they be so mean? And why would they mm-hmm. do this? I said, hey, talk about this. What is the source of some of this meanness? And then as they were going through their interactions in our camp, we had an eight-week-long camp, some of them got angry with each other. And I was like, okay, do you have a red button you're about to push? And I was able to bring it to them to say, wait a minute, that anger leads to more anger, which leads right, to, right. to something even more devastating. So nipping it in the bud with them was my goal. And I had a seven-year-old, oh, you can't push that red button. You're going to have to calm down. He's telling his peers this. So getting them to start to realize that these things start young, start in our homes or in our communities, mm, and they mm. escalate into world world issues. So what you experience there in London is not much different than what we experience in some of our stores. Our I shops, completely our, agree our that we, have, we are and, dealing with the same issues yes, on both yes. sides of the Atlantic and other issues, other, other countries as well. On mainland Europe, you know, there are many, many places where we're dealing with these situations. So this was a shop in Peckham, which is in South London. It's not far from where I live. And it used to be a heavily, heavily black area, particularly people from Africa, particularly people from Nigeria. Uh, but a lot of black people live there. A lot of people shop there every week. And we have what I call hair supermarkets, where sell these enormous shops that sell everything you can possibly imagine for your hair care and everything that you've never even thought of, let alone imagined, for your hair care. And none of them are owned by black people. So they're selling us our hair products every day, and they're making money in our area every day. And, you know, we're not really benefiting from that because um, they're not even employing any of our people in these shops. They're not even employing any of our young people. So there's ongoing tensions within the community. And, um, you know, so this this... Situation arose, and um, as I said, it's not the first one, and I have seen an incident myself, at least one, um, in my local well, area. Of, Very upsetting. One of the things, one of the things that we try to help children understand is the respect for each other. So right. whether I am from this background or that background, whether I am from this economic status or that economic status, I'm a human being mm. and you're a human being. You have your strengths. Mm. Yes, I have yes, absolutely. And so and we need to treat each other, other like we're all as, human beings. Exactly. We need to treat correct. each other with respect, but that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. That's part of what we're doing, and that's part of it. So as you're coming up with your products, your answers, your things that you're inventing and blah, 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 let's think about that respect. Is this going to do something that's going to bring harm to someone else? If you're mm. doing something that's going to take away someone's freedom, someone's autonomy, then that's not a good tool for you to use or to bake or yeah. whatever. So giving them, making them be, be aware of what the uniquenesses are of other people and then in turn having them use that awareness to help, not to harm, to help, not to bring uh, difficulties to someone else. So that's part of how we deal with it from a stream lab standpoint. So, I mean, 
Because conflicts are always going to arise between human beings. It's about how we address them, isn't it? That is very true. But being open-minded to the point that you recognize that and to put certain things like human humanity forward. And the curriculum that we're using is one of the things that we picked up through the group that we're working with, HWPL. They, they developed this actual peace education curriculum, which Excellent. gives specific topics to focus in on that helps them connect more to humanity and even beyond just human beings, connect to creation and cre- connect to the creator and be right. aware that we, ha- we have a responsibility, but we also are obligated to do things, not just for ourselves, but for all of God's creatures. And if we do it wrong, it's not going to, the ending is not going to be favorable. So to be able to say, if you want to have a good outcome, you personally want to have a good outcome, you have to do what you have to do to bring that outcome. And then you are a messenger of peace where you take what you've learned and you share it with other people. So don't just take it and keep it in your own little sphere. Your job is to get others to actually see the same thing. So that peace curriculum is part of what we use with the Streamlabs. And uh um, we've been doing this now for the Streamlabs. We've been using this curriculum for four years. And okay. when I talk for so you, the public you school, that young children are responding to this? Oh, definitely. Like I said, a seven-year-old is correcting his peers. He has yeah, not mastered but he's aware enough, and he was not the only one. He's aware enough to say, hey, wait a minute, that's an example of what we learned, and we shouldn't mm. be doing these things. So, to get and like I said, it's about the real world component of what they're learning. Not just say you're learning it and you got you know how to do it, but do you know how to use it and do you know when to use it? So, um, can you give us an example of of seeing children do this? So, give you, I'm sorry, the last part. Examples of sorry, of, you've you've observed children using these methods. I'm just wondering if you can give us an example. Yeah. Okay, so the children for the end of the school, of the camp, they developed a skit. And their skit started out with some individuals being bullied and how they retaliated and how that retaliation led to something that wasn't productive for the the, the people who were bullying or the victims right. of the bullies. And right. they then in turn recognized that the only way that this was going to be resolved, this is what they put into their skit, the only way that it's going to be resolved is if everybody recognized the value of each other and stopped the bullying and started being kind and considerate and apologizing and and looking out for each other instead of right. just their own interests. So that's an example. And I'm, I'm, I mean, four-year-olds. I have um, experiences from my older ones, my 10- and 11-year-olds, doing the same thing recognizing that if this bullying continues, if the, if the property destruction continues, if any of this negative continues, this is not going to end well for anyone. Right, and they, right. they're not experts in it, so it's going to take more time to really get mm-hmm. it to solidify, but they demonstrated that they understood it over the eight weeks of the summer camp. Yeah, that is brilliant. That is brilliant because you're planting the seeds, or to put it another way, you're building a foundation. And once you build that foundation, you can keep building on it. That's correct. That is correct. So that's very, very um, inspiring. I find that very inspiring. Um, so I'm trying to think, should we take a break now? Because I've got lots more questions for our two guests. Well, we've got, we've got two more minutes. Wondering, 
Yeah, we have 10 more minutes before the break time. Okay, cool. So perhaps you can and talk I'm to our... Is Pastor Hodge on the line? Yes, yes, she's on uh, She's on with me on, uh, okay, on our cool. Facebook YouTube channel. So we, we see her beautiful face yes. right here on screen. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, so Pastor Hodge, I'm going to have some questions for you as well. Um, I just want to ask, don't, don't worry, I will be including you because we, we all want to hear what you have to say. Um, Dr. Mohammed, I'm just wondering, you talked about the source of the problems. What do you think the source of the problems is? The, you said the force? Okay. The source. Can you, repeat? How, you know, what, you, what's the basis of the problems? How do they start? Yes, uh, yes. She's asking the what is the source. I'm going to get Dr. Lynn Muhammad's uh, view, and then she wants your view on what is the source of the problem, you know, the problem of I, violence between people. So after okay, Dr. Lynn, you. explain. Okay. So you want, you want Dr. Lynn Muhammad to explain first, and then uh, Pastor Charetta to explain? Well, I would like Dr. Muhammad to comment first, and then I've got some questions for Pastor Hodge. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, so you want me to explain first? Uh, she wants. Uh, she got uh, got another question for Dr. Lynn, and then and then she'll ask you some questions. Okay. Sure. All right. Okay. So, um, the source of the problem, and I'm I'm going to talk. I'm going to connect it to the HWPO curriculum again because it's part of Excellent. the of, of the content material that we are using. Um, the source of the problem begins when human beings start, start doing things that separates us from our creator. We okay. think we're the almighty this and the almighty that, and we don't, we're not grounded. We're not grounded in our faith. We're not grounded in our communities. We're not grounded looking at those human characteristics. So when we try to be the omniscient instead of recognizing God as being the omniscient, then, yes, we, we, we start to have these kinds of issues. So when we're talking to the children, when it all boils down to it, it's not that they have a problem with the other person. Something went wrong. And instead of them understanding right. how they could get that situation rectified, they resort right. to violence. Right, right. Because don't if something doesn't right go now, the way we want it to go, we can still turn things around, right? That's right. That's correct. Instead of them going towards their elders, instead of them going towards organizations that are already established to help bring that bring that serenity back into place, they go towards the negative. They they let the negative of this world take them off of their off of their game. And then once they step away from that, it's easier for them to continuously do that because I'm gonna use this word very I'm 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 saying it from my heart. Satan has made things seem so alluring and so beautiful that it pulls us away from those things that God has put out there. And because right. of that we tend to move in that direction. The light is all glimmery and shiny, and, and they're making it seem so easy. If you it's can enticing, do this, you get yeah? this extremely enticing. So when we step away from the roles of the uh, that God has given us as human beings, when we step away from our, our sensitivities to other creatures that God has made, and we start doing things in the wrong way, then we're blinded. We're blinded by it. And then it's it's not impossible because that's why we have – our interfaith activities going. It's not impossible to come back, but you're going to have to recognize that you need to come back. You need to come right. back to the way things were originally put into place. So right, right now, it's so easy to push a button on the video game and shoot someone. Mm -hmm. And then you push the button and it restarts it. So that person's right back. And while you're engaging in all of that, you're not recognizing that if this was a real person, that's someone's child. 
that's someone's parent. That is, yes. you know, that is a flesh and blood entity that's not going to come back when you push that button. So for yes. us in this world, it appears that there's only one dimension and one megaverse and one of these things that's out there, but there's more than what you see. There's a whole lot more than what you see, and only God knows everything. So until we recognize that that's where our foundation is and that we actually adhere to it, it's going to be difficult. But if we get them young, and this is why the educators, this is why we do what we do, if we get them young or we get them even if they're a little older and they haven't been completely indoctrinated, then we can get them back sooner. And even if because um, I practice nonviolent communication, and the person who sort of invented nonviolent communication at NVC was Marshall Rosenberg, who sadly has passed now. But I was privileged to meet him on a few a few occasions, and I remember him saying what inspired him the most were the Buddhist tradition, the teachings from the Buddhist tradition. But he said Christians say that NVC is true Christianity. Muslims say that it's true Islam. Jews say it's true Judaism. And I know that it's true Buddhism. So, um, you know, we have certain qualities as human beings that are universal, regardless of our religious beliefs or practices, exactly. our spiritual beliefs and practices. Exactly. We have certain things in common. And Marshall um, was working with people from Israel and Palestine, and he wasn't getting anywhere. So, and I, I, I imagine he was experiencing quite a bit of frustration. So he decided he needed to work with the children. And that's when he started making progress. And he said he see four-year-olds use NVC. He said, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we could start at a very, very young age to change things. Sometimes we're not going to get anywhere with the parents, so we have to start with the children sometimes. And and that's why the Streamlabs does. And we are getting the results that we're getting. And and, and when, when they go home, they tell their parents what they've learned. When their parents exactly. come to our program, exactly. they're seeing it. They're seeing their child do this and do that. And it's not it's not something that's going to be conquered in a day. It's not. It, like I no, said earlier, it's, it's going no. to take time. It's, it's going to take time. But as we, one of the things that we're doing too, not only is the Streamlabs working here in Chicago to try to, you know, get this, to get this, this, this program to develop these messengers of peace. Not only are we working, we're mm. trying to get it into the Chicago Public Schools. We're trying to get yeah, it into other areas. And by doing that, we're not only going in ourselves and teaching. We're developing. We have developed staff training programs. And so as we're talking to these administrators, we're saying to those administrators, right now we will teach your teachers for you to help them get an understanding of what this is. Once we're done and we go on to help the next set of schools, well, it must come out, help the next set of schools that, that, you know, you all continue with this. So you're right. You're right. And starting with these young ones is critical, but we also have to recognize the village. The children are not isolated. They're in a village, and we have to make sure that the village is, 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 is informed enough to be able to reinforce this. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I'm thinking I want to take a break now because I want to start talking to Pastor Hodge um, before, and I want to leave plenty of time for that as well, plenty of space for that. So um, I'm thinking before we start, let's take a break. I'm also having a problem with my streamlamer. I don't know if okay, you can take a look at it. Anyway, I'm, we're going to have a little break, and we'll be back soon. 
Okay, we're going to run the commercials. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly culture, world peace, restoration of light, transcend culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve a peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Okay, are we back? We're back. Okay. Okay, lovely. Um, if you are listening to the Female Solution with Jana, author of Success Strategies for Black People and Affirmations for Parents. And um I'm talking today with two amazing guests. The next guest I'm gonna to talk to is Pastor Hodge. So welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'd like to hear a bit about your work and particularly about what you've been doing in Johannesburg because I'm really excited about this. And I'm planning to go probably in about two years' time when I'm a bit healthier and fitter. Um, 
because we have a Buddhist center. We have a tree Ratna Buddhist center in Johannesburg, so that's one of the reasons why I'd like to, to visit. Tell me about the work you're doing with Johannesburg. I didn't hear what she said. She, she wants, uh, I'm sorry, uh, she wanted to know about the work that you're doing in, in Johannesburg, you know, because uh, we know that that uh, that your uh, ministry is located in St. Louis, but you also have an outlet in chapter in Johannesburg. So okay. you want to know about the Johannesburg, yes. South so, Africa. Okay, yes. So uh, my founder, which is uh, Dr. May, Joseph Catuela, he's also uh, an ambassador for the United Nations, establishing churches, um, South Africa, uh, India, Ghana, um, and the work that's been going on right now in the process right now of building a school in India uh, Johannesburg, uh, just preaching the gospel. Actually, before Dr. Mehdi came to America, he already had a church uh, that was already founded in South Africa, which is actually continue uh, going on from the sons and the daughters that he raised. Um, they're still taking over in South Africa. All right. So how long has he been doing the work out there? And, yeah, how long has he been doing that work? Well, he's been, are you talking about me or the founder? Well, let's start with the founder, and then we're going to definitely come on to you as well. Okay, great. So my founder, which is Dr. Mehdi, um, he's originally from South Africa, from Johannesburg, and okay. uh, he's been there his whole life. Uh, and about five years ago, uh, he got a call from the Lord um uh, to come to America to establish and to build here in America. So uh, the church in South Africa has been founded uh, over 20-some years. Right. Okay. So he was originally from there. And so what work are you doing together? I can barely hear oh, you. Said, what I'm work so work sorry. Work I was telling Naima, I can barely hear, but I'm doing the best that I can. Can you repeat the question? Uh, what work are You're you doing no together? What work are you are you doing together with the founder? Yes. Oh, with the founder. Yes. Oh, so uh, I work very closely with him. Um, mm-hmm. So as you know, it's funny that you say that. As of right now, as we speaking, um, uh, we're doing uh, homeless shelters. We actually was just blessed to get a building here in America. St. Louis, uh, Missouri, where our church here is founded uh, on Christie Avenue. And we were just, right now, we in the process of uh, establishing a shelter for battle women and children, uh, where every year around really? this time, wow. homeless, uh, we wasn't able to shelter last year because we didn't have an actual mortal building brick building and so uh, this year we're able to do it so we will be taking in women and children uh we will be able to feed them clothe them uh not just uh minister to them the word of god but actually teach them life lessons and life tools as a matter of fact um about not too maybe about an hour from now, I will be going to one of our leadership classes that we held uh, every first Saturday and every last Saturday of every month, Uh, and not just teaching biblical principles, but teaching life 
principles also. Right. You know, we right. all you know, we all talk about the biblical aspect, but people need to have just daily principles of how to, you know, take care of your health, how to take care of your personal hygiene, you know, how to fill yeah. out application, how yeah. to dress for proper um uh, interview and things like that. So we are in the process of teaching those things even now. That's wonderful because that's so necessary. What you talk about is so necessary. Um, our Buddhist movement, Triratna, has um, a charity which we've had for many years based in India called Karana, which means compassion. And they work primarily on health care and education because you can't just teach people the teachings of the Buddha if they're struggling to eat, if they're struggling to feed their children, if they've got health issues that are not being addressed. So they, they, offer, um, they offer practical solutions, and they do things like they have dorms where youngsters who live in villages where there's no school can come and stay and get an education. Yes. And, you know, just to it's add so to that, isn't it? uh, uh, if you don't mind me adding to it, you know, I overheard you and – you uh, the conversation you all were talking about uh, for yeah. the violence and things like that that's going on in the world. And I just wanted to input yeah. on it. You know, um, I teach, you know, because I'm one of the youth pastors, and one of the things that I teach the youth, um, most adults are only hurt children because they haven't been healed from the trauma right. and the things that they experienced as a child. So what happens is when you're not healed, you grow up with those same hurts. You grow up That's with right. those same disappointments. And what you happen to do is you look at people in the world, in your life, and think that they're going to hurt you the same way that you've been hurt mm. coming up. And so mm. that's a very serious thing that we're going that's going on right now in this time. Yes. We know that even in um I can't speak for every culture, but some black cultures they teach that, you know, it's uh if you go see a counselor or if you go see a therapist, something wrong, you crazy. You know, those are the things that were taught mm-hmm. coming up. There are people in Africa who teach it if you have cancer. You don't want to see a therapist and to see a counselor that's actually healthy. That yes. actually helps yes. me but you see, not, not only with that cancer, culture. so that it won't grow into something major, but that also helps you to get past trauma hurt. You know, because right now, yes. Yes. you know, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, but heal people, heal people as well. And your mother okay. and your father okay. taught you what was taught to them. So if they wasn't tight, taught in a correct way, they only passed down what was being taught to them. So now we're yeah. dealing with a generation yeah. of parents who also operate in hurting. And so what happened is they passed the hurt on to the child, which long after so long, it turns to uh, not only trauma, but it turns into uh, madness, it turns to disappointment, and it turns to the point to where, you know what, I've been hurt a lot as a child, I ain't letting nobody else hurt me. So what happens is you develop this, this thick skin to where you feel like now you have to protect yourself from everybody. Yes, yes, and I think we all do that to a certain extent. But, I mean, specifically, yes. I just want to touch on the experience of African-American people because, I mean, Naima has a book called African-American Psychic Trauma, and I've been writing about how how we can heal ourselves for many years because going back to slavery times, there was a lot of trauma that was never healed. People didn't have therapy after slavery. 
you know, there's, there's been many, many generations now of people of African heritage who've been wounded, and they keep wounding others. We keep wounding others of the next generation, and it affects one generation after the next, and we have to heal it, or else it's going to continue to, to hurt people, to, to traumatize people. Well, you, well, I think one of the things for us to be able to heal and move on, we have to acknowledge that I'm hurt yes. and that it's yes. okay that I'm hurt and that I can heal. Because here's the thing. It, some people don't want to be healed. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crutch for them. Okay, so now that I'm healed, and now what's the next thing? What is it after I get healed, where do I go from there? Because it's been a crutch. It's been something that they've been holding on to for so long. So I think, yes. you know, yes. a plan needs to be put in place. To, okay, what's the next step after healing? Or else they're going to go back to that same thing that kept them in bondage for so long. You have to first be able to identify, I'm hurt. Why I'm yes. hurt. Yeah. This you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, even with admit. African-American culture, you know, um, we have this thing where we go back to slavery days. Yes, we acknowledge what happened in slavery, but where do we go from there? We have to make a choice yes, and choose yes. to want to move on in life and not stay in that same predicament. I completely agree, but like you just said, we have to acknowledge what's happened first. And we have to acknowledge um, the effect that it's still having on us. It's happened, that it has had on one generation after the next, after the next, after the next. And it's going to keep doing that until we heal it. Um, so we have to take responsibility for healing ourselves. But, you know, not everyone has that culture that therapy is um, is um, helpful and healing, that, that therapy is therapeutic. You know, some people feel embarrassed or ashamed about going to therapy or they think it's funny when somebody else goes to therapy. We have that quite a lot in, in Britain. It's changing now. It is changing, but, you know, there's still this thing. It's like, oh, therapy, that's something that Americans do. We don't need therapy over here. And it's clearly, clearly untrue. Everybody needs healing. You know, when I'm talking about African-American psychic trauma, it doesn't mean I'm not aware that other races have also had psychic trauma. Of course they have. Everybody's had psychic trauma to a certain extent. But it's a question of what are we going to do about it now? So yeah. tell us one thing that you think that we could do about can, it now. Uh, be able to give her yeah. feedback, but she's not coming in she's clear. Saying, uh, I mean, I'm going to repeat what you're saying, Jana, because um, you're okay. I don't know what's going on because I'm using my phone, right? I'm not using the computer. I don't, I don't understand. Anyway, phone is you can yeah, understand it, it, me, right, Naima? You can hear me? Yeah, it, it's better. Uh, I just want to make sure that I have all of my uh, audio up as, as far as it can go. Okay. But what's saying, Sharetta, uh, is that um, everybody's been traumatized. A lot of times she's saying what happens in Britain, you know, uh, in the U.K., people get ridiculed for going to therapists. They say, oh, therapy, that's some Americans do. We don't need therapy over here. You know, so they kind yeah. of ridicule it like it's not necessary. But everybody's been traumatized, especially, like you were saying, Pastor Sharetta, the fact that our parents 
often were abused the way they were raised. That's and so right. they can That's only right. they know how, so they abuse us. So we're traumatized and unless you acknowledge that you're hurt, it will just keep getting passed down generation after generation. And it's not it's not just one race, it's it's pretty much a global thing that we're doing to each yeah. other as a human yeah. family. And so everybody has some level of trauma because everybody's been raised with a level of cruelty and lack of compassion. And parents who did that, they thought that was the right thing to do. They thought you're supposed to talk to your children mean and and, and slap them around. They thought that's what you're supposed to do. And they didn't know how damaging it was. So we all have to admit that we're hurt so that we can heal. That's why I was saying, Norma, because... A lot of people don't want to admit the hurt, like I said, because after you get healed, what's the next step? If that's been your crutch for so long, I'm even reminded in the Bible where Christ talks talks about the man at the pool of Bethesda. You know, and he asked him this question. He said, do you want to be healed? And the man said, yeah, but your butt. At a certain time of the year, when the angels come to trouble the water, you know, people beat me to it. Well, here's the thing. Christ didn't ask him all those questions. That's one thing. Do you want to be healed? And that's the thing. And so after he asked him that, the next thing he told him, take up your bed. Pick your problem up. Pick the thing up that's been holding you bondage and going from where you are. That's the thing. Do people want to move from where they are, from the place that's been hurting you from the longest? So once we come to that analogy and knowing that, because first you got to admit that you're, that you're hurt, and it's a lot of people, right. you know, that's that right. don't know or haven't registered that they're not healed. We have a lot of hurt people walking around the world that think they're healed that, that are not healed. Yeah. That's true. A lot of us sort of acknowledge it. I mean, I was brought up to basically never cry, never show weakness, never show vulnerability. And the fact is that everybody feels weak sometimes, right? I was brought up to be a strong black woman, which is fine, but everybody's weak sometimes. Everybody is vulnerable sometimes. And we need to acknowledge that as well because it's part of our experience, right? Right, right. Well, I have a and, question. And the thing uh, is that, um, uh, I would personally not call it a crutch because, to me, that's coming across as a bit judgmental. What I would say, what we say at NVC is that everything we do, we do in order to meet a need. And everything everybody else does, they do in order to meet a need. So if we don't want to be healed, that means that we think somehow remaining wounded is meeting a need, and that's what needs to be addressed. How can we meet that need without, how can we heal and and still, you know, let go of the past, let go of the trauma from the past? How can we heal um, and not be afraid to be healed, basically? Well, I have a question, Jonna, uh, that I'd like to ask, you know, all of us. Oh, please do, yeah. African Americans tend to uh, expect racism everywhere they go, and they, they're always mm. ready to respond to someone treating them bad. Well, one mm. experience that we had, uh, all of us who, who went to the HWPL Global Peace Summit, there were many nations of people uh, hosted by a wonderful team of, of, of people, many of them uh, from from Korea, many Koreans, and... Yeah. You know, 
know, we had, there are, of course, Caucasians, Hispanics, you know, people from all over the globe. Mm. And there wasn't any incident of racism. There was no one treating anybody bad, no one cussing out anybody, no one snubbing anybody. The, 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 the service was excellent, just all politeness, everything. So they're really, it, it, the thing we always worry about wherever we go, that we're going to be treated bad because of our, our skin color and all that, it just wasn't there. So that being the case, there was never a reason to be rude to anybody or or short-tempered or unpleasant. There was no reason. And sometimes we use the 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 expectation of racism or, or the the perception of racism as an excuse for our own rude behavior to somebody right and there was no there was no reason for it there was nothing anyone did that could have in any way been been misconstrued as racist or discriminatory at all so and i I guess one of the things we're, we're saying in terms of what do you do when the problem is gone if you've been holding on to that as a reason for your own misbehavior well how there's there's nothing that you can there's no crutch. There's no. There's nothing to blame. There's nobody to point to to say, "Oh, they treated me wrong," or they discriminated. What if it's not there? And you have to look at your own self and say, "Am yeah. I the one being rude? Am I the one being short-tempered? Am I the one being nasty? Am I the one being mean? Because nobody's hurting me. Why am I doing this? I can't blame anybody." Yeah, see, and I carry this pain inside of us. We carry this pain inside of us, and it's understandable. After everything that we've been through, it's understandable. So that, I think, needs to be addressed. It doesn't mean it's okay to be unfriendly or it's okay to be rude or anything like that. But I think it needs to be addressed because if we're carrying those thoughts and those beliefs and those emotions, it means somehow we believe that it's meeting a need. Otherwise, we wouldn't be carrying them. Somehow, somewhere, and I think a lot of the time, because I find like the kind of black people who are, I'm just going to talk about black people right now, okay? The kind of people of African heritage who believe that racism, racism is everywhere, they've probably been through a process. And then there's other black people who are very, very naive about racism. And they think, oh, well, you know, these people don't mean any harm. Someone can come into your church and shoot everybody in the church or shoot some people into the church. And then they stand there and go, we forgive him. And to me, I think that's too simplistic. I think it's oversimplifying to just say, right, we forgive him. That's just an example. But, you know, to me, what I observe is two different forms of awareness. So there are people who are very, very naive about racism and think, oh, we should just treat everybody the same, we should just treat everybody the same, which is how I was brought up. And then there's the people who are sort of hyper-aware of racism and see it everywhere. And both of those, I think, need to be addressed. What do you think? Mm. I, I, well, I, I agree. What do you think? Well, uh, and I don't know, let's see if Dr. Lynn is still on, and she wants to answer that as well. Uh, I actually do. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Lynn, you want to say that when she was asking about what what do we think about people who, the the two extremes, one, people who kind of deny that that, that sometimes being mistreated, we're being mistreated, and they, they overlook it like it's not happening, won't address it. And then the other extreme, where people see racism everywhere, and they're always ready to overreact. You know, how yes. she was our response to that. So I think Dr. Well, Lynn uh, Muhammad wanted to 
to address that? Great. Uh, I wanted to address it from the standpoint of the curriculum because, again, I'm an educator. One yeah. of the parts of the education curriculum is about awareness of self. What do I bring to this table? Am I holding Excellent. some deep-seated concerns because of some bullying or some experiences that I personally have had and or things that I may have heard other people have had? Yes. Do yes. I have a mechanism for getting my concerns addressed where I don't have to resort to anger, to mm. mistreatment of other people? Do I have mm. that support system where I can go and say, hey, this happened to me. What mm. can I do? What should I do? When we, my, my, I was not born into slavery, okay, not physical slavery anyway. I was not born into it. But my great-grandparents, yeah. my, my, my elders were. Yeah. During that yeah. time period, it was extremely popular for the elders to pull the youth aside and ridicule them and talk mean mm. to them. And they did that as part of the seasoning. So when they were actually working in the field or in the house or wherever they were working as slaves, when they were experiencing that from their slave masters or their family, they did not resort to defense. They backed up. The the elders did it in 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 a serious way, but still they came back with that love and that TLC. And so when they experienced it from the people out there in the field who were hurting them and and doing it intentionally to break them, they did not resort to something that would end their life because it was important for survival. So they taught them how to cope with it, but they had their elders to do that. And if we're disconnected, I don't trust my elders. I don't trust those old people. They don't know this. They don't know that. If we don't connect to them, they've been through what we're going through right now, be it being oblivious to the damage that was done from slavery or be it being in something where you're actually being discriminated against today, they've been through that. They can guide us. They can tell us. They can help us how to deal with that. But we have to know and respect them, and that's part of the curriculum. That's part of the peace well, education Yeah, curriculum. I mean, to me, I just have to say some of the elders, I mean, I'm an elder myself now. Some of the elders are aware and can help us and guide us, and not everybody can. Some people are still in a state of denial, sadly. And that's, and that's how they cope. I mean, it's not their fault, but that is how they cope, because we all have methods of trying to get our needs met. That's what NBC is all that, about, trying to get our I needs that, met. I think that that awareness that I do have this coping mechanism, and this is how I deal with it, helps that person then be, once I'm aware of myself, now I'm more sensitive to what's your coping mechanism. And then I can get along with you a lot better because I understand who you are. But I have to be willing first to recognize me and then to go out and recognize what's going on with others. And once I get to that point, it's easier for me. It's not me. What you're saying is so important. It has to start with self. It has yes, to start with yes. the individual. I don't think we can just go out and heal yes. other people when we still have, you know, so such a deep need for healing ourselves. We need to deal with what's going on inside of us first. What do you think? Mm. I agree. Uh, uh, John, there's a couple of comments on our Facebook page I want to share. Uh, Zelda, our Monday morning mindfulness host, she says, Grand Rising, beautiful bronze queens. She said, love the colors. Thank you, Dr. Lynn Muhammad, this, for this awakening. Uh, so, so thank you, Zelda, for that. And then Diada, our Friday and Sunday evening host, says, thank you, Pastor Sharetta, for your wisdom on this subject. So true about healing the childhood wounds. 
Do you believe adult addictions have a connection to the childhood traumas? Oh, that's a question. Yes. Yes. And Diada says racism on any level is tied to ignorance. Conscious, educated people rarely judge based on race. Well, I I, I agree if if the education is right. But uh, one thing I wanted to say uh, regarding what Dr. Lynn said and the the way that our parents believed they were preparing us for a cruel and sensitive world. Mm. I, I, I wasn't back in slavery either. I, I can't imagine the horror of it. But the belief that you have to break a child's spirit so that they don't yeah. rebel, so that they don't get beat to death, I understand that. But mm-hmm. why are we still using that method of parenting today? Thank That's you. the thing. Recognize we did that for what we thought was necessary. Now we need to stop, and that's yeah, that's, what we're, that's what thank we're you. dealing yeah, with. I come from me our children, and we don't need to do that anymore. I don't know if we needed to do no, it then. I mean, parents used to really no, beat their children during slavery because they were so afraid of what would happen if a white person saw a child doing, you know, just not normal children things, really. And some people still are doing that today, and there's no need for that. I'm not saying whether or not there was a need for it at the time, but there certainly is no need for that now. Right. And and I think that that that's the challenge we have because we don't we haven't learned a different method of parenting. Yeah, I completely agree. If you allow me to say this, that what I mentioned yes, earlier in the conversation, we have to be willing to unlearn and relearn. Yes. And not only that, we have to be willing to show not only our children, because I believe in the saying that it truly takes a village. It does. You know, if you outside of your mom's home, because back then, when I was younger, if the neighbor saw you do something bad, the neighbor could discipline you and take you home and nothing would be said. Well, now we're living in a time where, like, um, I think someone mentioned it earlier today um, that if you discipline or even put correction on your tongue to, to discipline a child, uh, you, you get backlash, whether it's in words or whether it's, uh, you know, a weapon pulled out. You know, and so I think that that comes to us willing to unlearn and relearn and not only that, admitting what I said earlier today, admitting that there is a problem. A lot of people don't want to admit that something is wrong. The way that we're doing things is not. Naeem, I think you said earlier today uh, that, um, you know, growing up, we were taught that if you, uh, well, mother, back in slavery, that you discipline a child. I know even with abuse of men, you know, a lot of young women think that when a man talks to them bad or crazy or if he ain't knocking them upside the head that they don't love them. Well, that's yeah, I know. There's still some people around with that kind of mentality, you know, even now. And I saw my daddy knock my mama upside the head, but I saw my daddy later on in the day in the bed with my mama. Then in my mind, they told me that my daddy loved mama. So when I grew up, that's what I adapted to. Okay, if you don't hit me upside my head or call me out my name, you don't love me. Wow. And so mm-hmm. those are behaviors that are taught not only verbally, but even in the eye, sometimes you don't have to say anything. We have a lot of visual learners nowadays, meaning if they see something, I got it. And so even with a child, kids are sponges. And you don't have to say anything. You Now you can look at a child and, you know, I know about with my son, and it's not to bring him anything, but if I give him a certain look, you know, okay, mama's not happy about that. And so growing mm-hmm. up, if a child sees it, oh, well, that's how it's supposed to be. Right. And so those 
when a group of people are kidnapped from their homes, smuggled away in chains, and held captive in a foreign land where they are tortured, raped, and forced to perform hard labor by the lash of a whip and under the constant threat of death. Slavery, the African-American psychic trauma. What happened to the doctors, writers, scientists, builders, educators, and spiritual leaders from Africa's golden age? Who did they really capture and sell into slavery? Yes. 
Are all African Americans suffering from psychic trauma because of a conspiracy to hide their true identities? Do you have psychic trauma? Take the test on page 22 of the book and see. Order it online today at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. And get your personally autographed copy of the book, Slavery, the African American Psychic Trauma. We all say we would like to be wealthy, but wealth isn't determined by how much money you have. Wealth is determined by your power to define what money is. The dictionary defines money as something used as a way to pay for goods and services and to pay people for their work. So how would you like to have access to an unlimited source of money? Money that is not taxed by the government. Money that increases as you share the opportunity with others. Money that you can use to pay for goods and services and pay people for their work. I'm talking about Bitcoin. It's the future of independent wealth building. Bitcoin is the new money that you control. Get started building your wealth. Call 312-849-3456. That's 312-849-3456. Okay, and we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Now, I'm having a problem with the studio, so if I disappear, that's because um, it's telling me right now that the show is finished, but we're meant to have another hour. So I'm on the phone, so hopefully I'll stay plugged into the show. Let's keep our fingers crossed. This technology confuses me sometimes, I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't always understand it. Um, Yeah, so I would like to come back to this incident that happened, which I found truly shocking, and this is another trigger warning. This is about overt violence, and I'd like to ask my two guests what their responses are in terms of how something like this could be prevented. My two guests are Dr. Lynn Mohammed, founder of the Stream Labs, and a very, very experienced educator, and Pastor Charetta Hodge of the Christhood International Ministries of St. Louis. Um, this incident where a 15-year-old girl was killed by a 17-year-old boy, um, this is very traumatic to talk about. I'm sure it's very traumatic to hear about. You know, when you put your child on the bus in the morning to go to school, you don't expect her to be killed on the bus on the way to school. You expect her to be safe and come home safely that evening. And this is very, very upsetting. I'm wondering, for both of my guests, um, do you have any thoughts about how things like that could be prevented? These kind of incidents. It's very shocking. I find it very shocking. And I'm sure you do, too. When my, uh, uh, she was at, she was asking how acts of violence can be prevented, particularly uh, incidences like what happened in London, where uh, a schoolgirl was, was, I think, strangled to death uh, on a bus. No, she, on a, he slit her throat with this massive knife. Really oh. shocking. Oh, okay. So it was a stabbing. So it, it 
seemed like it seemed like a random act of violence, but I don't know. Jana, did, did the young man and young lady know each other? Yeah. All I know a, is he offered her some flowers on the bus. So he was mad. She uh, was, was not interested, and then he whipped out this massive knife, which is called a zombie knife, and he killed her with it on the bus. So he probably he probably experienced rejection as with his parents. Sounds like he had some deep issues regarding rejection yeah. and snap. Yeah. So my yeah, son, and if you think about, I mean, what he did was absolutely horrible. You think of the, the um, impact that would have had on all the other people on the bus that morning. Apparently, everybody was just running away because they were probably scared. So, so part of what you're talking about is us not being the t- the counseling that was mentioned earlier, and us not feeling mm-hmm. that that you know the appropriate mm-hmm. thing to do is to get counseling. And counseling doesn't have to be when you are an adult. It can also be when you're a teenager, when you are younger, when you're yeah. in your, um, your twilight years, when you're moving into in your geriatric state. This counseling is just a human thing that we need. Um, my son, when he was in college, invited me to his, his university. They had bought, buddied up with three other, two other universities and some businesses. They did what they call a bride walk. And most of the people in this bride walk were college students because for the first time, you're on your own. You have to make right. decisions about things, and your parents are not always there to see and whatnot. Domestic violence amongst uh, college students, is it's high. It's very, very high. And you're thinking that this person is earnestly in love with you or you, you want them to be earnestly in love with you, and like yeah. this person maybe they didn't understand how to deal with rejection, and there's a whole yeah. lot of domestic violence that just goes unanswered. Date really? Race, you know, I need to know that it was that bad among university uh, students. Uh, uh, yes, are uh, uh, against the, um, the, whether it's a male or female that's the victim of this, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. And so to get our youth to be mm. aware of all of this early on and the fact that if you are not handling things correctly, that there's a way to get the assistance that you need, such as the counseling. So this particular thing that they were doing was called a bride walk. And they said a lot of people get married when they're in college or married to the person they meet in college or in high school, and that can Mm -hmm. be a very toxic relationship, and you're learning that this is okay. And domestic violence, I I was part of a domestic violence group for a number of years until emotionally it just became too much for me. Mm. Um, And I I decided to get the children more. But domestic violence is a normal thing, unfortunately, and we think it's okay. And we don't see it as as, as though you're getting a gun, in this case a knife, and killing someone. I can disrespect you, slap you, do all these things to you physically and emotionally, and no one is going to put me in jail for it. Or, or actually, they, you can be put in jail for it, and you can lose your freedom, but we don't see that. We see this is happening in the house, and there's no big deal. We don't need to worry about it. So I'm saying that we as a village need to be aware of our teens, need to be aware of our younger children, need to be aware of our older children, ourselves, and look at how are we really dealing with relationships, whether it's at my job or my home or whatever it is. And if it's not a healthy way of dealing with it, we need to get that assistance. The people on the yeah, bus... Do. I mean, we've had, um, we've had in the blogging council for nonviolence a couple of people who've blogged about escaping from um, from domestic violence. And one talked about how domestic violence makes you feel, right, how it, how it affects your self-esteem. 
Another lady was from Nigeria, and she was um, her father arranged a marriage with her, for her with a man who was older than him. And the man was beating her, and her, and her father was saying, but nobody in our family has ever got divorced. So in other words, to get divorced would be a shameful thing. But in the end, she escaped from that marriage, and then she was experiencing death threats. So I think she came to this country as a refugee or asylum seeker because um, she, she was experiencing death threats. But she helps other women escape from domestic violence situations. And she helps other women... Um, uh, to to start new lives, basically, to build new businesses. So, you know, because of what she went through, she's very, very keen to help others, and she does so. And I think that's pretty amazing, really. Her name was mm-hmm. Mercy McKenzie. So if you if you want, I could put... Oh, yeah. I can drop the link. It'll probably be tomorrow or Monday, but I can drop the link on our Facebook page for the female solution. Yeah, yeah she did an excellent interview. Before we take the caller that's on the... I just wanted to ask a question uh, regarding when people are aware that someone in their family is committing domestic violence. Maybe you have a sibling who's got a a hot temper, and maybe you know that they're beating their spouse or their children. Do you intervene, or do you feel like, well, it's not really my business? But you know it's happening. You know that there's violence. You know that the children are getting beaten and it's it's severe and, you know, in the name of discipline or whatever, the parents are out of control or, you know, the husband or the wife is beating the spouse and, you know, out of control, uh, anger, uh, violent, causing pain, you know, situations where and, – and people and people even have listened to couples fighting, neighbors, and you know that there's violence going on. Do you call police or do you say, well, I don't want to get involved? I mean, are we mm-hmm. stepping up when we know that there is violence being perpetrated against somebody, or do we keep silent because we don't want them to get mad at us, cuss us out, tell us it's none of our business? You know, what what do we do when we know it's happening? Well, I would say, um, you know, they have this thing now where... Hang on just a second. When you speak, can you say your name so that we all know who's speaking? I'm sorry? Oh, are you taking the call or the line? When you speak, please can you identify yourself? Oh, Just say your name so that we know who's speaking. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so this is Pastor the beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I was saying was, uh, so the term you see something, say something, uh, should be uh, put in place even more uh, because if we continue on, to just, you know, know that somebody's being abused or know that somebody is being mistreated, even children. What happens is that turns to a generational thing which never gets broken. Yeah. Okay? Actually, that's what we're dealing with right now with the sexual abuse, with the rape. You know, you have a rapist in the family and you're told not to say anything if uncle or auntie is touching, you know, and then this child grows up with this trauma and then you wonder why they don't want to get married is because somebody took their innocence and so now they don't want to care. And so even now with the youth, we have it. It's called those uncomfortable conversations that you're kind of forced to have. I think if you see something, you should say something because when you say something, you break the cycle. You not only break the yeah. cycle, you're saving somebody's okay. life, yeah. whether it's physically, emotionally. 
Because if you take and you do these things, you know, even if, a, you know, you hear a man beating a, a mother and the child hears it, mentally that child grows up to think that that's okay and he turns into one, you know, whether it's a man or woman, the woman turns into, oh, well, I don't want a man because uh, a man, I heard a man beat my mama my whole life. So then she changes and she want a woman because she don't have faith and want a man. So that ruins mm. the, the uh, opportunity of her having a husband. And then it goes on to having children. Now she don't want children because she don't want her children to deal with or face the things that she's been faced with. So I think, That's um, we respect everybody on question, this show, regardless uh, of the presentation. Yes, because that saves a life. We have to come to a place where we break protocols. Yeah. We break the thing that, you know, that we was once taught. And I'm reminded of a teaching that I even teach the youth. You know, a manager in a job. A manager tells you what to do, but a leader shows you what to do. So you have okay. to be able to distinguish the difference. Don't let this thing go into a cycle where it continues on. Break right, it exactly. by exactly. I agree. I agree. And and did you know, I mean, I heard this a few years ago, but I was reading this again today. The book, the, um, the Blue's Eyes by Tony Marsh, and I think it was her first novel. Are you familiar with it? What have seen maybe growing up someone said something and put a stop to that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, did you hear my question? Oh, you want to ask it again, please? Yeah, sure. Um, are you familiar with Tony Morrison's book? The Bluest Eye, which I think is her first novel. The Bluest Eye. Have, are you are yeah. familiar with I've never read it, but uh, I'm not. Well, it's a classic, but it's being banned in a lot of schools and a lot of states now. I read about this a few years ago, but I was reading about it again today. She deals with domestic violence and incest, incest you know, an assault on a young girl. Um, and because of that, a lot of schools and a lot of different states are banning it now. But she's talking about something, you know, it's like to me, the color purple also deals with this subject as well. And so does, um, uh, oh, what is the other book? I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Maya Angelou's first book. Yeah. Um, they all touch on this, on the rape of children. Um the rape of young, you know, young girls, children, by adult men who are in their families or who are close to them. Um, and I really love The Color Purple, especially the film, because there were so many women who've been through this. I have met so many women who've been through this when they were children, and they've never seen their story told on the screen before. So that's why I think, you know, that film is so important. These books are so important because... I personally, that we like to pretend that these things don't happen in the black community. Right? I wrote a book about this, basically. We like to pretend that it doesn't happen in our communities, but it does. The, I think the statistics are one in four women have experienced some form of sexual assault. That's 25%. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh, high. Yeah. And you just think of, That's that, really think of the ones that That's a very high percentage. It's very high, and that means there was trauma, like like our guests have been saying, there was trauma that's been passed down over the generations yeah. and never addressed and never yeah. healed. And so 
if families just keep it quiet, well, you know, Uncle So and So, you know, just stay away from it, or Aunt So and So, don't, don't, you know, get, don't be blown with them. You know, if you never talk about it, and children right. are traumatized, they're not fit for a relationship because yeah. their whole intimacy has been has been skewered. It has been it has yeah. been destroyed because there's no trust yeah. there because they they have yeah. been violated. And and when we don't talk about it, then it never heals. I think those books that you yeah, that you yeah. have been banned, if we did have those books in the school, it might open a door to be able to talk about it. And exactly. we have to have counselors available at our schools to deal with children that are going through that in their lives right now. That's why so many children are, and they, they've said that the numbers of sexual assault of children on other children has increased. And that looks really shocking, but I'm sure that is true. That is awful. That is yeah. awful. And if we, if we never get to talk about it, we never get to talk about what we've experienced, then how can we possibly hear it? You have to, you have to, you have to provide a safe space, as they say, for people to talk about it. Work like uh, what Pastor Sharetta is doing, work like with Dr. Lynn is doing. You know, the things that we're doing in our circles, whether it's our ministry, our classrooms, places where we can talk to youth and let them know there's no judgment when they, when they confide in us and yes. let them know that we will help them by getting them the help they need and make yeah. sure that we find a way to keep them protected. Sometimes you have to remove a child out of a home. Yeah. Now, the, 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 tra- the challenge that we have is that our – our foster care system, just like everything else has been ruined, has been monetized so much where you have people who are getting into foster care because they want to get the money that comes from being a foster right. parent. That's been going on for generations. You know that, right? This is not a new thing. Yeah. I don't know if they had that system in, in the U.K., Jana, with, with foster care, and then you pay parents to take care of a child that's in distress until the parents can get themselves together or whatever. But it's it's because it's been it's been abused by too many yeah. people who don't have the right spirit, the right incentive, the right mm. reason why they're in it. So many children have horror stories of having been right. placed into foster care to get rid of a to get them away from abusive parents, and the situation they got into was even more abusive. Matter of fact, we've had a few guests mm. on that have, that have had that experience. So. How do we heal what's inside of people so that they don't damage other people? And how do we... That's right. Well, I just want to say a quick word about this before I I go on to the next topic, which I'm really excited about, which is the HWPL Peace Summit. But I just want to say the thing, I've done many, many practices to heal. And to heal myself, I've, I've taught many, many practices to my students, and I've written about them in various different books. The thing that's helped me heal the most is nonviolent communication, and I am passionate about it. Nonviolent communication is um, it's based on empathy, and empathy is about listening. So it's about listening to ourselves, listening to each other. Um, not just, you know, people say all the time you need to talk to your children, you need to talk to your children, which is very true, but you also need to listen to them. And, um, yeah, I just want to put in the plug for NBC here because it's so healing. It's such a powerful message. And we can get away from all the judging and blaming, which we call jackal speech. Jackals are expressions of unmet needs. 
So if someone is saying, oh, that's a terrible person, or that was an evil thing to do, or whatever, using that kind of moralistic language, that's a form of jackal speech, and that's expressing an unmet need. So we can, that means that we've got needs there that need to be addressed. And Absolutely. when we address those needs, then we can get away from the kind of language that separates us from each other, which is in NVC called jackal language, right? NVC is all about connection, connecting from the heart. So right. I just wanted to put in my little plug. Um, but, yeah, on my and website. And I'm, I'm going to get you my, uh, you my, my blog today, Zana. I promise. Brilliant, fantastic, <laughs> yeah. Um, on my website, which is called the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence, there's a page of NVC resources. If you want to know more about NVC, please check that out. Or check out the um, the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence on Facebook, or check out Success Strategies for Black People on Facebook. But I must stress as well that the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence is for everybody, regardless of, of racial or cultural background or age or gender or ability or disability or any other difference. We are open yeah. to everyone, and NBC can help everyone. I mean, I'm well into my 60s now, and I'm still having therapy to heal me from th- from my past, from things that happened in the past. Um, you know, trauma, basically. But I found an, an amazing therapy, and I really recommend it. And um, if you want to know more, message me on Success Strategies for Black People or on the Modern Carnival for Nonviolence. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not really talking about my personal stuff uh, during well, the show. So I'm but, happy uh, to answer. Uh, I know we got, got a couple of callers, and I know, uh, Pastor Sharetta, do you have huh? to leave uh, soon? I know you've got another appointment. Do you have to leave us at the okay, – she's got she's got to leave, so uh, callers uh, – I really want to hear about HCDP. Oh, do, do you have a couple of minutes to on? tell us about your experience? Yes. Uh, so she wanted to tell us about your experience uh, what, with the with the HWPL uh, the peace, peace summit. summit. Yes, yes. Before you go, tell us about okay. that experience. Okay, so this is Pastor Charette again. Uh, my experience was amazing. It was something that I've never experienced before. Um, different cultures, different religions getting together. Uh, nobody really um, trying to say you know, stick to one religion or tradition. Everybody just uh, sharing different point of views of why they believe what they believe and, you know, where they come from. I thought it was very impactful. Uh, I thought it was very mm. educational. I enjoyed it. I took, a lot from it. Um, I took a lot from it. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to, you know, attending again next year, hopefully. Um just listening to Chairman Chairman Lee on a Christian aspect, um, him having a uh, one-on-one re- uh, relationship with the Lord and having a um, a um, experience of God, you know, showing him what his destiny or what uh, his desire for his life, and then bringing it there and sharing it with us. I think it was very impactful. Excellent. Tell me, tell us one thing that you've learned. Can you share with us, please, one thing that you've learned? One thing that you've learned. Again, Can you share with us one thing that you've one learned? One thing that I've learned? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
break, Jana, and uh, I think we have to say goodbye to our, our sister, uh, Pastor Sharetta Gates-Hodge. She's got to leave us for her next appointment, but we thank you so very much for being thank with us. Thank you so much for, for being on my show. I really appreciate it, Pastor. Thank you very much. Thank you. I answered the questions as, to the best that I could because it's kind Excellent. of hard yeah. hearing you. Hopefully the next um, show that I'm able to hear you clearer and uh, I can get really more detail in the questions. But I enjoyed you beautiful, amazing women today. And I thank you so much and I love you. And may the rest of your week be as amazing as you are. Well, thank you so much. That's a lovely thought. Thank you for that. Yes. Blessings. <laughs> Blessings. Blessings. Bye now. Do we need to take another break, Naima? Uh, yes. Uh, we'll take another break and. Uh, okay. Let's do that. Here. Um, right. I'm not hearing anything. Yes. And uh. And we'll be right back. And, of course, if you're listening online, want you to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And press 1 when you're ready to speak. And, uh, of course, if you've called in and if you call dropped, call right back. We'll take you now. 515-605-9325. And press 1, and we will take your call. Open your mic and get your thoughts. Oh, you got it? Well, I have been pressing buttons. That doesn't mean anything has happened, though. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'll uh, do it from this end. We'll, we'll Thank you. Hi, I'm Mama Joy. And I'm Reverend Rosemary. Join us every second Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m., Central Time, here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show for Neighborship of Joy. We'll have powerful conversations inviting women to walk in the light. So call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak to the host. You can also join us live on the Female Solution Facebook page and YouTube channel. We'll see you on the second Saturday on the Neighborship of Joy. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom.
right, we're back. Okay, we're back. So I would like to ask both of you ladies, how did you come to travel to Korea uh, for the HWPL Peace Summit? And what's the first thing you noticed when you first got there? Uh, Dr. Lynn, you want to answer first? Yes, I will. Um, so my experience with HWPL started when I was chef, uh, chauffeuring my husband around to be a part of some interfaith dialogue. And okay. while I'm, and that was HWPL was sponsoring these interfaith dialogues to get okay. religious leaders to see not differences between our religions but commonalities. Do not disrespect right. another person's religion, but learn to respect. And they gave right. us topics. They gave us topics that are pretty much embedded in one or two scriptures. But when you look at it, it's there for majority of the scriptures. So it was. It winded up being a really, really informational time for me to see how common uh, our books are, and right. also okay. to to see and show respect for the religious leaders from other from other religions. So that's how I got started. I was chauffeuring my husband. He was a part of the dialogues, and then I became part of the dialogues from there. Um, but while I'm talking with these leaders and we're dialoguing, I'm still thinking, what about the children? You know, this yeah. is not just something that the adults need to know. You know, we have our positions based off of what we experienced when we were children. So what about doing something with the children? And that's when I learned that HWPL had a peace education program, and that okay. got me started. So my first trip over to Korea, over to Seoul, Korea, was as a religious leader, but my second and third trip over there was as a peace educator, and I am so thrilled that I'm now in that space. Ooh. That is wonderful. Yeah. So when you yeah. first got there, when you first got to the peace summit, what's the first thing you noticed? When I got there, the number of people. Yeah, when you first arrived. Yes, yes. When I first, I've made the pilgrimage to Mecca, which Muslims try to make at least once in our life. I've made the pilgrimage. Sure. And when I was on the pilgrimage to Mecca, I noticed that all the millions and millions of people, we were all there with a common goal in mind. And you expected there to be some commonality because we were all there with the same goal. This particular right. summit, the goal was one. There was one common goal. But you had your perspective. I had my perspective. But what got me was the humanity that we saw. It really? was how we aligned ourselves with each other. We greeted each other. We made friends. We exchanged contact information. And some of those individuals I still have contact with. And it was, it's just a way to just see God's creation, to see the creator's creation in a way where, or just the creation period, in a way where all you can do is say, praise be to God, or praise be to the creator, or praise be to whatever higher source you see, is mm -hmm. to say, I didn't do this. Um, you didn't do this. This was done by a, a, an entity that had a design that made all this stuff work. And so it, it's humbling. It's extremely humbling to be mm. a part of that. And one of the most profound things that I heard, uh, this was in my, my, on my second trip, a, a, a religious a, a leader, a political leader, who was a part of getting the Slavic nations 
to stand on their own away from Russia. His country was given its autonomy back, and he was the ruler at the time, so he signed the document. When I heard him speak, and this goes back to a whole lot of what I'm hearing from um, this particular discussion and some of the things that I know Sister Naima has been doing with her efforts, one of the things that he said is when you have an entity that has been subjected to a dictatorship or a ruling party that has not been looking out for their best interest, when you have people that have been pulled away from their original design and put into servitude or bondage or whatever it may be, releasing them is not enough. The, um, the Emancipation Proclamation, the, the shackles being un- unlocked and letting people go, that wasn't enough. In his culture, he recognized that it wasn't enough to have that signature on the document to say that his mm-hmm. country was free to have their own leadership. There mm-hmm. are decades and generations of scars. That's and right. you, you all were asking the question earlier about how, you know, how do we correct this? How do we deal with the parents who were themselves not disciplined in a way that is holistic? How do we deal with generations of generations of things that have been done wrong and now we're trying to rectify it? Right. He recognized that and he said that, and that's part of the curriculum for the peace education program. I'm not advocating peace education just for the children. I'm advocating it for the adults too. Absolutely. That curriculum that's HWPL, I think the adults should be using it too. I think the adults should learn some of those same vocabulary concepts. And that whole concept of empathy, that's embedded. And you don't have to wait until you're taught that you should be empathetic towards another human being. That's mm-hmm. made of mm-hmm. that, that butterfly that, fertilize, that, that pollinates all of these in things that, that has been put in place so that we can have the, the serenity that we get from nature, all of those pieces are there for a reason. And if I'm not empathetic, I might go squash all of the ants, which then in turn makes the roots of the grass not grow. And until we can see that harmony that exists in, the cre- in, in nature, until we can see that and understand our role in that, we will never be there. And that is part of what peace education and the nature of the HWPL program is about. Because Chairman mm. Lee, the person who started this, he was standing in a field. And he saw devastation. How are you going to drop a bomb and it not destroy the plant? That right. bomb is going to annihilate whatever is in that. And it's not just the human. The human life loss is, 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 is massive. It's, it's, it's an atrocity that should never happen again. But right. no, And nobody should die senseless, whether it's one person or a million people. Nobody should die senseless was for something like that. But when you're killing the trees, where's our food going to come from over time? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just the death of the day. Is the death that's going to be in existence for a while. So HWPO's, my, this is me talking right now, HWPO's message in my eyes should be everywhere, whether it's in the courtroom, if it's in the boardroom, if it's in the nursery with the infant, or in the hospital, in the OR, where the patient's asleep, but there's someone over them, people over them taking care of their needs. That curriculum that we use for the peace initiative, the things that we're learning to do as religious leaders and the dialogue, all of these pieces of HWPL in my eyes should be a part of our lives, should be a part right. of our everyday lives. Right. 
Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Mean, all of that is very inspiring. And I now, think uh, Johnny, you want to take your caller uh, now? Uh, Eric, uh, yes, I will. Yes, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Um, who's on 872-731? Please join us and introduce yourself. This is Jana with the Success Set Strategies Program. Hello? Hi, yes, welcome you? to the show. Can you say your name, please? Yes, um, my name is Rashida Ali. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, thank you, very tiny. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking uh, about something uh, that was said earlier uh, when it comes to um, people stigmatizing um, others when they go through trauma and mm-hmm. they vocal. You know, they, they said, uh, you know, for comfort from uh, their surroundings, but instead, and and my experience, been, uh, they label you, uh, for example, me. When I was speaking out because of oppression, uh, my grandson was killed, and then I understand death. I had consecutive death in my family after that, but the trauma was, um, my grandson was an outstanding student, 25-year-old mm-hmm. man making over $130,000 a year working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was traumatizing because um, it was unsolved homicide. But I have faith and belief in God, but every time I went out, it seemed like it was like, I was walking over dead bodies in the African-American community. Mm. So I decided to do something for myself and get, um, you know, some therapy from professionals. But then I, I also did some uh, some research on the conditions, uh, uh, the system that, that um, put passive fear in the, uh, the slaves. And mm-hmm. it's exactly, in my opinion, it's exactly the same way developed legally, um, uh, transformed into you know the black community, uh, and so you know with what transformed us into docile behavior, and uh, with the slave codes uh, that were among most of us, um, which was a very violent law. They created um, those samples of hundreds of others past the, you know, in in the 17th century, century and beyond. So, I I was thinking that in order to resolve um, the, the 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 murders and the homicides among people of color, um, we need to do what you all are doing, talk about it, and uh, create some ways to sort of eliminate it because Thank uh, you. the slave codes that was taught for over 377 years, uh, which avoided preaching and teaching and writing or organizing, has been, in my opinion, programmed in, in our DNA. So, right. In the African American community here in Chicago, uh, you speak of South homicide, and uh, we're concerned not just because of your family members, but 
walking over dead bodies in in a reputable community. So I decided to do some research, and I found out that um, Africans have higher uh, levels of homicide, and Asians have higher levels of homicide than the Europeans. So I had decided to do some more research because I, I see that, in my opinion, that the slave code and the social uh, coding that the Europeans did has affected us all, people of color. So I, I'm wondering if we could get a lot of, of, of our um, professionals, psychiatrists and stuff to team up and develop a forum uh, because this has became really bad. A lot of the blacks are killing and destroying many other black people. And when you mention it to other black people, uh, they they make it like, well, other people are killing or uh, there's nothing to die. So if you can't develop uh, something, some strategies or some type of um, platform to help heal and cure your own people, then you're a sad case. I think you're not accountable in your own community. So I'm I am willing to join on with a team. I'm with a, a team of sisters that we band together in my religious community, and I want to, you know, sort of do something better because uh, wow. outside, of, outside of my little worship group that I attend, others. In the social arena, when I discussed this with them, they made me feel victimized all over again and shut you off. I've even been called crazy because I, I told them I'm traumatized, I'm, I'm traumaphobic. And everybody has a phobia because yeah, no one is God. So traumaphobic only means that you're fear of injury. So I did some more research on it, and I found out that if there's unsolved, this is what the Europeans say anyway, if the unsolved homicides are among a, a family member, they become traumatized. And mm-hmm. traumaphobic is, is, is not a mental illness. It's a conditioning that's done because of the situation and puts fear in people. Phobic only means fear. Traumaphobic is fear of injury. And fear of injury, in my case, is walking outside and, and uh, Peel Hill, seeing somebody stab, that's a reputable community, and living in, in Chatham, which a lot of celebrities did live here, and seeing over, walking over, over 10 bodies dead, men on the ground with no war zone. So I think it's a programming from uh, the DNA of the slave master was coded and still is being coded. So I'd like to know what you think because you're an interesting person and seem like you, you, you talk with a lot of concerns and logic. Mm. Yeah, okay. So are you asking me for my personal response? Yeah, she wanted to know what you thought about this. Is it? Is it? Is it something that's in the DNA, uh, are we 
maybe African Americans, our DNA is reflecting trauma, and maybe the uh, those who are descended from slave owners uh, or enslavers, uh, maybe their DNA is is passing down a certain level of I don't know cruelty or violence. You know why does this keep happening? Uh, that so she wanted your your thoughts on that. Okay, well, my thoughts are very much so. On the one hand, yes, it is in our DNA because our ancestors were so traumatized, and it it gets into our bones. It gets into our blood, and it's going to keep affecting us and affecting each generation until such time as we heal it. So that's my thought. But, I mean, according to the Buddha's teaching, we all have evil inside of us. We all have negativity inside of us. We all have um, uh, destructive energies inside of us, and it's a question of overcoming them. That's basically our job, right? That's why we do spiritual practice. And just to be very clear, I don't believe in a god or anything like that. Um, but, um, and I don't worship any God, being a Buddhist. But, I mean, we all have goodness inside of us. We all have evil, destructive energies inside of us. And through spiritual practice, we can cultivate the positive, and we will eliminate the negative by doing that. So that's why I think, anyway. But I don't know if you find that useful at all or interesting or helpful at all. Well, one, th- one thing, uh, I know we only got a couple of minutes, uh, but one thing I was going to say real quick about the, the idea of, you know, is this something possible to overcome, that's mm-hmm. one of the things we saw at the, at the HWPL Peace Summit. People didn't have that in them. And, you know, you had, you had blacks, whites, you know, uh, Asians, Americans, Europeans. You know, we had people from all over, but mm-hmm. they demonstrated that it's possible to create that heavenly culture by okay. everybody choosing to treat each other kindly. And okay. we can do that here in America as well. I think yeah. that was the biggest lesson, yeah. to, to be a place where they were like, like, uh, like our guests have said, there was no cursing. Nobody was angry at anybody. Nobody was rude. It was there, which means it wasn't inside the people. So yeah. each of us has to heal from the trauma that we experience so that we don't pass it on. And yeah. our our philosophy on the female solution is always that we have the power to, to transform the world by the way we yes. raise the next generation. And so yes. all of us so can be able to do that now. It starts with the individual. Personally, I'm more interested in working with parents, but I think that the people who want to work with children, brilliant, that's great, do that. Um, but, yeah, we're all born with negative destructive tendencies. If you look around us, if you look around the world that we inherited, from our ancestors, you can see all the negativity there that's affected us. It's been affected us for many generations. Um, yeah, so I think we all have it inside of us and blaming other people and saying they're wrong or saying they should be doing this or they should be doing that or saying um, that they're evil. All the different things that we say about each other, they're unhelpful. They're not helpful. We don't need to blame other people for our problems. We need to take responsibility for our healing. And um, when we blame other people, in some ways we're blaming ourselves because we all have, we all have these um, these issues. We all have different issues going on. They might not be all the same, but we all have. We all suffer, as the Buddha said. We all experience suffering. So 
we need to heal ourselves and then we can heal the world. That's that's my those are my thoughts. Yes. I I agree. I agree. if we heal ourselves we can heal the world. So yes. I, I think we got a, a moment for uh for Dr. Lynn Muhammad to for one last observation before we go. Yes, please. I'm sorry, can I just say, I don't know if we're going to have time to fully talk to this caller, but I do have a caller. And I'm going to try. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Hello? Um, 872? Who's calling from 872? Yeah, I think, I think that was Rashida who just got off the line. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Okay, so, yes, Dr. Mohammed, have you got some final thoughts you'd like to offer us? She might have had to step away from her phone. <laughs> That's all right. That happens, right? It happens. Um, so what's the next step? What would you say is the next step, Naima? The next step is for each person to examine themselves. And I think it's very wise that Rashida is, is, is seeking counseling, even though sometimes socially we're not encouraged to do so. But if you know you've been traumatized, mm. go to, get counseling. Find a therapist, find someone that you can trust, and take the time to heal your soul because until you do, you're going to always be in pain and you're going to always be triggered every time you see another act of violence. And when you're able to get therapy where a person is able to help you to see that the world isn't this horrible place, but you're being drawn back to that that thing that, you're you've been traumatized by, and that's why you keep re-experiencing it. So yeah. you have to literally change yeah. your vibration so that you're attracting to you a different experience. But as long as you're in that state of emotional trauma, you will keep re-experiencing the thing that is hurting you until you're able to heal from that trauma. And that's right, because we um, we do keep repeating the same. The same yes. issues, the same traumas, the same challenges over and over again through different lifetimes until yes. we heal them. We keep reinforcing them because that's what's familiar. That's what we're used to until we heal it. So this lifetime offers us an opportunity to heal ourselves. And once we've healed ourselves, we can heal the world. That's why we're here, to heal ourselves and heal the world. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Jonna. It's a fascinating show and so grateful. And we've got one caller. Uh, I believe this is Lois from Chicago. you got about 30 seconds before we go. Go right ahead. Your question. Oh, thank comments. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, God is so good. Thank you for this show. You know, the problem with being traumatized is that the services of counseling is not offered to our people. We mm-hmm. we have to go along with this scar on our backs from I think from the slavery time. Some of us are still suffering from what our foreparents went through, but yes. it's not offered to our people. I saw a little girl three years old uh, walking in front of the bus on South Shore Drive, and the bus ran over and smashed her, smashed her head and everything but a little feet, and uh-huh. they never offered anybody counseling. They don't give it to us, and we can't afford it. That's all I want to say today, and thank you so much. But I know that prayer. Prayer works. It changes all kind of situations, every situation. It does. Well, always pray, and God will steer you to the help that you need because 
God works through people. And the universe works through people. If if you don't have a belief that says there is a being that's not energy of creation, whatever it is, will help you out. Thank you, back again in November. We've come to the end of our All show right. today. But you and can hear every show. Where can they go for the to to uh here the non nonviolent blogging carnival what's the Okay, the, the, the blogging carnival for nonviolence. Uh we have a page on Facebook. So all the uh all the blogs will be posted on our Facebook page. And also you can check out Success Strategies for Black People because a lot of them will be published there as well. And I made reference to a couple of blogs to do with domestic violence. I will be posting them again on those pages. And thank you very much, Naima. Thank you very much to my guests. And enjoy October. Enjoy October. A radio host, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujon, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, medasi, Nigeria, eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, asante, Israel, toda, Pakistan, shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.